Thank you, Meg. So I wonder if you've seen the Disney movie, The Lion King. Yeah, so I watched it, just watched it for the first time. So The Lion King's name is Mustafa. And the story begins with Mustafa and his child Simba looking out over the savanna from a promontory. So looking out over the land, Mustafa is teaching his child what it means to be king. Young Simba believes that being king is all about being powerful and getting your way. Mustafa tries to teach him that being king is really about being responsible for the health of the land, keeping everything in balance. But something is out of balance. Mustafa's brother wants to kill him and take the throne. And there is another problem to deal with. Young Simba does not accept his father's order to stay away from the danger zone. So there's so much to deal with. Mustafa's selfish brother is named Scar. And through trickery, Scar kills Mustafa and banishes young Simba. And Scar now rules the land. Years go by, and in his selfishness, he lets the ecosystem get out of balance and totally deteriorate. So the green grass turns gray. Years pass. Simba, now grown up and still living in exile, finds out what has happened. He comes back, defeats Scar, and is welcomed as the rightful king. The land comes back to life, and that is the story of The Lion King. If that story sounds familiar to you, perhaps you are familiar with Egyptian mythology. The mythological founder of Egypt was named Osiris. His evil brother Set kills him. Osiris's son Horus returns from a distant land to defeat Set and save the day. And there are more parallels with the Lion King that make it clear that the similarity is not a coincidence. So the story has lasted thousands of years and was reborn by Disney because it is a powerful story. Trying to maintain a system is hard work. There is so much that can throw the system out of balance. Antagonists trying to take over. Youngsters who haven't learned what pillars are needed to hold everything up. And the natural decay that needs ongoing renewal. So are there any Rolling Stones fans here? Any Rolling Stones fans? The, the Stones are, are a rock, rock and roll band. How many years did it take for their music to be turned into Muzak that was played in elevators and grocery stores. So everything from savannas to rock bands needs ongoing renewal or it will lose its soul. Thomas Jefferson said, every generation needs a new revolution. But reform is hard, change involves loss. Are you willing to let go of what you have on the chance that you will be able to create something better. When is that worth it? And the human psyche can cling to the past. John Kenneth Galbraith said, said that faced with the choice between changing one's mind and proving that there is no need to do so, almost everyone gets busy on the proof. It's kind of how we're wired, a lot of us. Change is hard. 
I worked for a contractor for a summer renovating houses. The question would come up when we were bent over in nooks finding God knows what behind the walls. Wouldn't it be easier in this case, instead of renov renovating, to burn the thing down and start fresh? The fresh start is a biblical story, a, fam a famous example being Noah's Ark. God says to Noah, it's all beyond saving, so build a boat and start fresh. In fact, the story of the flood is pre-biblical, showing up in Mesopotamia, in Hinduism, in Chinese mythology, and more. Sometimes the system is beyond saving and we need a fresh start. Christianity provides imagery for a fresh start. Jesus tells the parable of the sower, scatter seeds and some will grow. Heaven on earth is created not by reform, but by scattering seeds and growing something new. And what type of seeds? Jesus said mustard seeds, the smallest seeds. Not top-down reform, but change that starts with the smallest seed. Scatter love and it will grow. And on Easter Sunday, some of us celebrate the freshest start of all. Jesus, thought to be dead, shows up in the eye of a stranger. More imag imagery of a fresh start, the yin-yang, when yin dominates, that's when yang starts to grow fresh and vice versa. The Buddhist image of the lotus flower growing in muck. And of course, the pagan imagery of spring. Across the country, high schools try to teach a new generation to make complicated rhymes by teaching Shakespeare's sonnets. But I would argue that rhythm and rhyme are more alive in slam poetry created after school in bedrooms and back alleys. For decades, Unitarian Universalist congregations have struggled to become more diverse. The most diverse UU communities are now communities that started on the margins, such as the Finding Our Way Home annual retreat for UU professionals of color. I'm currently facilitating a five session class called Exploring Your Questions. In the first session, I asked, what is a time in your life when you experienced a transformation? Almost everyone told of a time when they had a fresh start in a new context. Transformation didn't happen by reforming what is, but rather by trying something new. And if you're interested in the class, let me know because uh, we might run it again in the fall. So starting fresh is powerful, but there is something limiting about it. It means giving up on what already is. There is an ecological theologian named Cynthia Mo Lobeda. She wrote the book, Resisting Structural Evil. For her, the global economy is structured in an evil way that is destroying the planet. Mo Lobeda says that you need to leave the system in order to learn a better way, but you also have to return home to reform the system. And I've told you that I've lived at an earthy retreat center for five years. It started as an intentional community. It attracted people who wanted to explore new ways of being together. 
They studied communication techniques, conflict resolution, and creative ways to create community. It was a fresh start, informal and alive. By the time I got there, it was starting to grow up, kind of like how a UU congregation grows up when it gets to around 100 members. Things get a bit more organized and predictable. I decided that I didn't want to be part of that part of the life cycle of an organization. I didn't want to help a new thing grow up. For me, a more interesting puzzle was how to help an established organization renew itself. I wanted to be part of a living tradition. And so I came back to the Unitarians. A typical UU congregation has some members who are more conservative and some members who are more liberal. And I don't mean politically conservative and politically liberal, I mean psychologically conservative and psychologically liberal. Some of us want to stay home and tend to the home fires, while some of us want to leave home and explore something new. And I expect that each of us is actually a mix. There are some things that you want to hold on to and care for, even as you are open in other ways to something new. So consider in your own life, what is something you love that you want to tend to? What is something that you are exploring, something that might change you? And I'd love to see some of your answers in chat. So what is something in your life that you want to tend to, that you want to continue, and something that you are exploring that might change you? So you could post your answers together to those two questions or separately as you wish. Something in your life you want to tend to and something that you might let transform you. Something old and something new. Thank you, Sarah, for posting that in chat. So exploring Stoic philosophy tend to friendships. Ah, continue eco-activism that always changes me. Go on. Exploring, exploring new life. Finding balance. Tending to my garden. Spend more time with family. Tend to family. So let more of these continue to come in. Feel free letting them come in. Mm, tending to music, ex expansion of community. Whole year of self-care. Clearing out. Yeah, so keep those coming in and I will keep going. So one of life's biggest challenges is how to marry the past with the future. How do you hold on to what is good while being open to new life. I have an image for you. Uh, and the image is that the past is connected to the future by a three-stranded rope. You know, rope is made out of strands woven together. So as this rope withers away at the back end, the withered bits can be rewoven into strands at the front of the rope. But the strands at the front don't weave together as they grow. 
Rather, they grow outward, away from each other, and the rope disparages them for being radical and different. But only once they have grown fully into themselves do these new strands weave together as a loved and accepted part of the rope. If you've tried something new, maybe you've experienced that. First, the mainstream ignores you, then they insult you, then they warm-heartedly accept you as part of the story all along. But there's also a flip side to that. If you've seen other people try something new, first, they're not on your radar, then you see how they have gone off and have to learn everything the hard way, and then they prove themselves and you welcome them back into the fold. So I'll repeat that image. Our living tradition is like a three-stranded rope with the three strands woven together. But as the rope grows into the future, the three strands don't weave together as they grow, rather they grow apart. And only once they have grown into themselves do they weave together. In this congregation, what are the three strands? I think that one of the strands is centering the marginalized. For some of us, centering the marginalized is a new practice worth exploring. It is taking us in a new direction that sometimes feels far from home. And one of our strands is telling the truth as we see it. For some of us, being able to tell the truth as we see it seems threatened, so we are focused on that strand. And what is our third strand? So the three-stranded rope is just a metaphor. There aren't exactly three strands in our living tradition. So perhaps our third strand is respect for the interdependent web, or perhaps these days our third strand is just trying to make it through these times. Maybe you inhabit the main part of the rope, like a wise grandparent, observing the new strands growing and providing a sense of groundedness and tether. Or maybe you feel nurtured by the living tradition as it is and are also curious about the ways it is growing. Maybe you find yourself on multiple strands. And even if you do, I think there's some truth to the image that these strands are of our living tradition are growing away from each other. Centering the marginalized can be an all-encompassing exploration. And telling the truth as you see it can be all-encompassing. They are different paradigms. They bring up different concerns and they get you listening to different podcasts. Both are valuable, but they are tricky to do at the same time. It can be easier to do a deep dive into one or the other. Some of us are doing a deep dive into centering the marginalized. Some of us are doing a deep dive into truth telling as we see it. Some of us have other areas of interest and some of us are just trying to make it through. So there can be a feeling of, won't you please join me on my strand? Don't you care about me? And this can actually increase the distance between strands. There can be a fear that these strands will grow apart with irreconcilable differences. But I respectfully disagree. I believe that this growth apart is part of the living tradition. Scattering seeds and letting them grow is powerful and only then does integration happen. 
In a sense, we are a community of communities. Some of us are on this strand, some of us are on that strand. This is how change, growth, and renewal happens. I encourage each of our deep dives into new things. Let's grow the strands of our living tradition into the future. Part of our work is growing the strands and part of our work is weaving the strands together. In the phrase community of communities, sometimes the focus will be on communities and sometimes the focus will be on the overall community. Weaving our strands together is a practice that takes time, love and skill. We are building the skill in our UU values conversations and we are investing the time and love in our small group and one-on-one -on -one conversations. And I will also be doing a sermon in May on persuasion, the spiritual challenge of connecting with someone enough to change them or be changed. Scattering seeds is a powerful image, creating change by starting fresh. But going off in a new direction only takes you so far. Eventually you need to weave back into the living tradition like our three-stranded rope. This week, I invite you to consider how your own life has grown and changed, how you have scattered seeds and then integrated them into the living tradition of your life. You might consider that for yourself, for us as a church, and for the larger world. We grow apart, and then we grow back together. We grow apart and then we grow back together. This is the way of life. <laughs>